0: Matt has set the table. He's just done a great job sharing the incredible news of Jesus with the cross and with the resurrection. And these events full of love, full of mercy and grace and, and sacrifice and giving, they're, they're why we're here. Right? And, and I love how he has has prefaced this or or stated before, if if we don't have this, if we don't have the cross and Jesus crucified, if we don't have the resurrection, then these are just, he said that, right? Chicken soup for the soul. They're they're, they're like a neat history, uh, just things, um, advice and things to talk about. But what we know and what we believe, church, is Jesus gives up his life He raises back to life, and this gift of eternal life is offered and given to us as we place our faith in Jesus. And so what I get to do this morning is I just sort of continue that story of what what Jesus will do next, and you already have a sense of what he's going to do next. See, he shares with his disciples that he's got to go away But he wouldn't leave us alone. His work would continue. And, and you know in Riverridge, we talk so much about steps and again the step from Jesus, his life, his death. And today we walk together to take another step in this wonderful plan of redemption. So before I go into there, um, let me pray for us. God, you are good, and you move in the heart of your people. And so thank you for how you're lifted up in song, in worship. And Lord, we lift you up um, through your word and through this time. And God, would you do something that we can't, apart from you, apart from your spirit. God, would you move in our heart, and would we receive what you're wanting to give to us. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're in this book of Acts, and it could be referred to Acts of the Apostles, but what we're talking about today is Acts of the Holy Spirit, and the, the book could also be that as well, Acts of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, after his resurrection, he is showing up and still meeting with them, and they are still in awe, and maybe fear, and maybe disbelief, but he is with them, and he's presenting them to himself, and he says to them in Acts chapter 1, that's where we are, in Acts chapter 1, in verse 3, and it's not on your screen, not on this screen, um, but it says, it goes like this, Jesus presented himself to them, I'm, I'm not there yet, he, Jesus presented himself alive to them, and after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And then we read in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? The disciples, Lord, what's next? What's what's going to happen? You, you know, you you said all these things, and some things we've got, and some and most of the things that we we haven't got. But what is next? And that is a valid question of the disciples. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And that is having an incredible impact in our world today. That question is still being asked, and I'm sorry we're not answering it. That's um, take the time. Uh, your dev- devotional time and try to uncover that but the thought of disciples is is this the beginning of the end will Jesus resurrection Lord will your coming to life bring about the former glory of Israel its prestige its power its military might Is God gonna take care of that jerk Herod <laughs> is he more importantly is he gonna take care of the Romans Lord Jesus, are you going to unleash that power? But it's neither the next step, nor the connection to what the Father has planned. It's not what's next. And and, and God is saying, Jesus is saying, we've got something better in mind. Verse 7, he says, he said to them, it's not for you, to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority before i, I move on with with that passage in acts i'm i'm throwing a curveball and i do that and sometimes i don't tell you i'm doing that so i'm sorry about that but this curveball i really believe has significance and so uh, uh, we'll we'll address this at the end of the message but I'm, I'm sharing a verse that I believe is very relevant to what we talk about today, and it's just a matter of self-disclosure, self-confession. I just I want us to look at it, because it kind of haunts me in a good way. Um, and this passage comes from Isaiah, comes 700 years before the birth of Jesus, and it, it's in Isaiah 11, and it goes like this. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. What is that? and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adders, the the snake, the viper's den. We'll get to that. Back to Acts. They ask him if he's going to restore the kingdom of Israel. You don't know all that, Jesus is saying, but then he shares this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's the text. That's, that's, that's what we're sticking with today, but, and then we're going to examine all that. But you will receive power. And that word in, in, from the Greek is this word dunamis. And English words come from that word dunamis. You may have heard of them, dynamo, dynamite. Now this word doesn't mean dynamite, but it is power that is given from the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is, is declaring in, the, in those moments, it's going to take you places. It's going to move you. You are gonna reveal who I am and my kingdom, and you will be my witnesses. And you're gonna make disciples. It doesn't say that, but that is what Jesus shares from Matthew to, to John and to, and to now. You will be my disciples in Jerusalem. And you're and moving out farther. You're gonna go into Judea and moving out further than that, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So with this bottom line, as, as you, as Jesus has shared and, and what's shared in your outline today, God gives the Holy Spirit. God gives the Holy Spirit. That's the next step. As God reveals this incredible plan of redemption, consider this, he wants you and me and us to be a part of that. And whatever is shared today Is something not that we just hear about. It's something that we receive to reveal and to accomplish his kingdom come, his will be done. From the church now over 2,000 years ago to the church today in the 21st century. God gives us Those who believe in him and place their trust and faith in Jesus. God gives us his spirit. So we get to look at that, what that means in in the second chapter of Acts. And we aren't able to go through all of that, um, but we'll get glimpses. And we look in verse, in chapter 2, verse 1, it goes like this gave them utterance. This is crazy. This is wild. And, and what is happening? Uh, Jerusalem Jews are traveling into, Jer- traveling into Jerusalem for this annual harvest, which is 50 days after Passover. And all these names that I can't pronounce, they're in your Bible, the Parthians and Medes and Elamites and... Um, Folks from Mesopotamia and Egypt and and so on, and we can understand what they're saying in their own language. They were amazed and and perplexed and and telling the works of God, but what does this mean? Because the folks who are screaming, hey, they're drunk, man. (laughs) And Peter stands up and addresses that. Hey, it's nine o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. And what we learn about the Holy Spirit is the Spirit's power. And if you're following along in your outline, that's, that's the line that you want to fill in, um, power. And miracles are happening in, in nature, these divided tongues of fire, of language, of mystery. And Peter goes on to describe this, and I, I want to read it, so let's read it um, In verse 17, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And this is Peter sharing from Joel in the Old Testament in chapter 2. So verse 19, and I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, that great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the Lord, upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. So God's Spirit is pouring out like water from the fire hydrant, right? Visions and dreams and prophecy. And this is coming to life. And and Jesus reminded of something like this. And God is doing something in our midst, but not just something. It is miraculous. It is incredible. It's mysterious. It's certainly terrifying. And Peter... addresses this. He doesn't have his iPad. He doesn't have his, his, the script that he's prepared. He's just trying to make sense of it himself. Guys, I don't have all the answers here, but God is giving me something that I believe needs to be shared. So he shares about the Spirit, sharing the prophecy from Joel, and he then points to something in someone to help us and to help them put it all together. Jesus, so in 22, he shares men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs. So he talks about the life of Jesus signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God you crucified and killed. So he shares about his death and the cross by the hands of lawless men. Verse 24, God raised him up, so he's sharing the resurrection, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Didn't Matt share that the last few weeks? He's sharing the gospel. He's sharing the good news. And so to hit on the, the second part in your outline, he, there's the proclamation of Jesus you know, we're putting the spotlight on the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and here's the thing, and I don't know, we can have a discussion about this sometime. The Spirit isn't so concerned about the things of the Spirit, and that focused on Jesus and the cross, and he reminded us of Christ's resurrection from the dead, and if that is happening. The Spirit is doing its work. That's the Spirit's concern. Takes the spotlight and makes much and makes more and more and more and more of Jesus. And the same thing with us. When John the Baptist says, this is in John 3, you don't need to go there. When John the Baptist says, he must grow greater and greater and I must grow less, that's not a John the Baptist thing. That's a Holy Spirit thing. And so Peter is is preaching, and uh, we continue reading. He shares from the Psalms, he shares about the foretelling of Jesus in Psalm 16. But in verse 32, um, he goes on to share this Jesus God God raised up, and, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Further down in verse 36, he goes, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So before this crowd of thousands, the gospel is being proclaimed, and it's proclaimed in power And these aren't void and empty words. These are alive. And I I love how when Ben shares and and gives a message, he always includes his verse. I don't know if you picked up on it, but it's like the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And that's what's going on. You know, at River Ridge Church, we stay away from old-timey words, right? Those old, old-timey words that we might see, and, um, and if, if you have those translations of the King James, that's wonderful. I'm not telling you to take, but like, you know, the old-timey words, thee, thou, repent, brimstone, whatever. Um, here's an old-timey word that I think makes sense to Peter's message and this is so cool, as I was, I was looking up this, that, this definition and who shared um, this help uh, for me, this, this illustration, his name is Lee Eklav, and I was like, hey, he was my professor at seminary, so that's pretty cool to, to share, but this is, Lee is using this word, and you know what it is? Can you say it with me? Unction. Unction. And Unction means the anointing, the igniting of the Holy Spirit upon a sermon so that the, that something holy and powerful is added to the message that no preacher can generate, no matter how great his skills, no matter how bad his skills. Um, and, and he goes on to share, at the center of Pittsburgh, two rivers, the Monon, Monongahela and the Allegheny, they come together at the point to form a new river. We know that river, the Ohio River. And that is how we envision unction working, the sermon and the spirit meeting to form a spiritual torrent. Mighty, rushing waters. And check out what happens next in verse 37. The formula of Peter's proclamation plus the Spirit in verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut. And the the Greek, the other other words to help us understand, that they were stabbed and pierced to the heart. And this unction of the Spirit and the Word working together and said to Peter and the rest of the the apostles, they're like, "What what shall we do, brothers? What shall we do? Verse 38, And Peter said to them, Repent, turn around. Turn from your sin and turn to Jesus and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see in this passage power. There's proclamation. And and lastly, in your outline, there's conviction. The Spirit is working to help us and to help them understand and to convict minds and hearts, but not only is the Spirit convicting, it's doing such more of an important work, it's also saving in verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Mm-hmm. Let's throw in another old-timey word, right? What we see happening there. What we want, what we see happening there, we want happening now. But what's happening there is revival. Revival. And the Spirit is making that happen. So we hear God gives the Holy Spirit. And that's the Spirit Peter was talking about then in this this book of Acts. And the Spirit is still offered, given to us now. But I want to highlight too as well, this Holy Spirit, as you know Jesus and place your faith and trust in him, the Holy Spirit is in you you've got it. You may not think you got it, but if you know Jesus and, and, and your faith is in him, you have the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, I don't know, I, I, it's, it's in your outline, but I, I don't really know if, it, it, if we have it up, but in verse 11 of Romans 8, it says this, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And you and I have that. And so just some things of, of application. That power that was shared in Acts 2, that power is available to you today. That proclamation that was shared in Acts 2, God can work in you to, to share to, to share His words and to share the truth about Jesus, not only just sharing words but sharing your life and giving your life over as Jesus did for us. That same spirit can bring conviction to your heart, to bring understanding and clarity. And our role, in asking more of the Holy Spirit is to ask, is to pray. And guys, I if you permit me, I hey, sing more old timey words. But there is um, this prayer that I don't know if I'll share all of it or or some of it. But it's it's from this uh, book, The Valley of Vision. It's a collection of, of prayers that were written, I think, in the 1600s by the Puritans and. And listen to this as as the author shares about the Holy Spirit. O Holy Spirit, as the sun is full of light, the ocean full of water, heaven full of glory, so may my heart be full of thee. Vain are the divine purposes of love and the redemption wrought by Jesus, except thou, except your work within, regenerating by that power, giving me eyes to see Jesus, showing me the realities of the unseen word, Give me thyself without measure as an unimpaired fountain, as inexhaustible riches. I bewail my coldness, my poverty, my emptiness, my imperfect vision, my weak service, my prayerless prayers, my praiseless praises. Suffer me not to grieve or resist thee. Come as power to expel every rebel lust to reign supreme and keep me thine. Come as teacher leading me into all truth, filling me with all understanding. Come as love that I may adore the Father and love him as my all. Come as joy to dwell in me, move in me, animate me. Come as light, illuminating the scripture, molding me in its laws, and so on and so on. And if you ask for me to that prayer, maybe I'll send it to you. Magnify to me thy glory by being magnified in me and make me redolent. Sweet smelling of thy fragrance. Ask. And I believe we will receive. Hey, what about that zoo you were talking about earlier? What about those animals all roaming around and, and, and so forth? What about the wolf and the lamb, the leopard, the goat? What, what about the, the. You mean that baby is playing with the snake? The Bible describes our world, uh, describes creation as groaning. The scriptures describe our world. It's crazy and chaotic and out of the chaos. There's going to be order and there will be shalom, peace, this Collective sigh. This no sin or suffering or shame or cancer or asthma or pain or knee and hip replacements. No political party. The race is run, run and finished, and there's peace and restoration. And I don't think that passage is this literal final step, but it gives us an incredible glimpse of what God is going to accomplish. And this pastor and writer, uh, Ray Ortland describes, and his rule will not make the world more religious. Rather, he will make the world more humane. Nature itself will enter into a gentle harmony we, we have always longed for the endless trail of human pain and destruction left behind throughout history will replace with this. And I don't even know if I put it um, with the guys. Okay, there it is. Thank you. It goes like this. They will not harm or destroy each other on my entire mountain for the land will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water. Take that in as the sea is filled with water, God's presence and God's fullness, God's completeness, the knowledge of God is going to fill up everything. And the story, that's the story, the reality that all of us are invited into to come alongside the God of the universe. And all of us have a role to work toward this end. Because of Jesus, through the power of his spirit, working through his church, through us, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven.